This week on Three Questions by Corey Kareem. Throughout your amazing journey as a music artist, what has been the best lesson you believe you have learned from failing thus far? Um, it's, a, it's a lesson that I've actually I, I learned recently that I wish I, mm. I knew at the beginning, but like failing fast, <laughs> mm. getting out and failing fast. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Three Questions by Corey Kareem, the show where we sit down with some amazing people who are doing some amazing things. And that's right. You guessed it. We ask them three questions, sometimes four, sometimes five. But rather than talk about their successes or wins, we talk about their failures. More specifically, the lessons that they learn from those individual experiences. So with that being said, my guest today has a unique sound that transcends the ordinary. His sophisticated yet unique expression of music is a hybrid of the contemporary sprinkled with a touch of the soulful music of the 70s. With a falsetto of an Al Green, ooh, that's a good comparison, and the deep baritone of uh, Teddy Pendergrass, he brings a sound to today's industry that is considered by his listeners as non-parallel. And he refuses to put himself in a box or impose limitations on his style. Currently, this Canadian-born singer continues to develop as an artist, educating himself through misstep and triumph. He's stylish, he's confident, and he's charismatic. A culmination of choices to learn first from mentors, producers, managers, and artists alike. Without further ado, Dal Hartley, welcome to the podcast, my brother. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. How are you doing today? I'm fine, man. How are you, man? You're looking real swaggy as usual. That's that's no surprise there. Uh, no, I appreciate it, man. I'm good, man. You know, I, I woke up today, so that's that's all I can really ask for. So, you know, yeah. every <laughs> every day above ground and healthy is definitely a blessing, man. Um, so one, thank you for for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it, and big big fan of your journey and growth as an artist. But for the people who or who are not familiar with you, why don't you give them like a brief synopsis of who you are, what you're about, and a bit about your journey? I go by the name of Del Hartley. I love, you know, R&B, soul music. I love creating. I love playing instruments. I just love, you know, right. expression. You know, it's, it's just me. So like I've, um, you know, Canadian, Canadian born, Canadian born and raised. I'm here in Toronto now. Um, and yeah, man, just, just taking this journey day by day, man. That's awesome, man. And I noticed we got the same glasses, but you rock it a lot better. <laughs> Than I do. I was going for the, I don't know what you, I was going for the Malcolm X effect. I don't know what you had in mind when you got him, but that's what I was trying to lean into. I was reading his book at the time and then I saw those glasses and I was like, I think this is the closest thing in our modern time, modern era. Um, so let's get into this. Let's get into the first question. As a music artist, what has been your biggest failure to date and why do you consider it your biggest failure? And ultimately, How'd you get over it and, and, and through it? This is something that I'm still kind of going through, but it's uh, chasing perfection, you know, perfectionism, you know, just trying to be perfect. Um, I'd say, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. And you're just trying to, you know, uh, it's essentially, you're just never, you're never really setting an endpoint. Um, 
when you're chasing perfectionism, you know, something can always be tweaked. Something can always sound better. You know, this vocal could always be comped better. You know, right. these instruments can sound more fresher. This mix can sound better. But at the end of the day, you know, people want to, people need to hear the product. The, the world needs to, the world needs to hear it. And as a young art, younger artist, you know, I thought, um, you know, just being, having that crisp, clean, um, you know, being, trying to be perfect and trying to put my best step forward, you know, it's not, you know, it's not really realistic and it's not, it doesn't really resonate with the, you know, the, the everyday person. So, um, it's, it's, like I said, it's something that I'm still kind of struggling with, but, um, right. you know, I, I, one thing, one solution that I've personally found is like, I, I quit things now. <laughs> so mm, like yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Let me, yeah. Let me, so give me an example of something you quit recently. Yeah. So like, um, for example, like, you know, we'll, we'll write songs and it's just like, you know what, like I'm, I'm quitting it at this point, you know, we, it's been a couple months. It's been, you know, it's touched X amount of producers hands, X, you know, X amount of instrumentalist hands. And, you know, at a point it's just like, it's done. You got to set like a, you know, like a, a deadline and just like, it is what it is. And everything that you've learned from that one experience or that one song or that one record, you got to take it to the next one. You can't just keep working on the same thing, thinking it's going to be perfect or else it'll never get done. Right. You know what? And, and I, I'm glad you said that because in, in like, I want to say maybe in the last 10 years, you know, personal development has really taken off you see a lot of videos especially on youtube it's like winners don't quit winners don't quit but it's like that's like yes there's there's definitely truth in that but winners also know when to quit right like when to kind of move on with something or pivot that's a popular word these days to, to something else right to move on to the next song and as a writer whether you're writing books or you're writing songs like yourself you guys should know like the writing is never done. I've talked to many writers. I'm friends with a lot of them. And they, you know, when their work is published, they see things that they would change in the moment. And I remember um, hearing uh, Malcolm Gladwell, the author, he was on The Breakfast Club, I think. And they were asking about his previous works. And he's like, yeah, there's things I would change now because I've evolved as a person, right? My perspective has shifted. So you know, to the writers out there that can, you know, relate to Dal in terms of being a perfectionist in writing, the writing is never really done, right? <laughs> you know, the way you feel about a girl or whatever you're writing about that song 10 years ago, 10 years from now, you could feel completely different. 100%, man. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, question number two, as an artist, what are some of the things you personally do to overcome challenges or setbacks? whether that be from like, you know, outside noise or just your own internal voice? Um, just knowing, you know, you kind of have to know exactly what you want. Kind of see, if you have a goal, you're going to have to see where the, you kind of have to picture and project where the end goal is. Um, I think it's a, there's a, one of the laws in the 48, 48 mm. laws of power, whereas it's like plan all the way to the end. Because if you, right. if you don't plan, you know, you think so many things that happen and, you know, even things could be in your favor, but if you, you don't plan an endpoint, you can lose it all. So right. it's just plan, you know, just planning, having an, uh, having an idea of, uh, having a, a general idea of exactly where you want to, where you want to progress to. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things you can still freestyle, you can still kind of freestyle on the path, but at least right. you have a general idea and you're not kind of going off of emotion. You kind of sat down and thought about it logically. So um, yeah. I would say that. Right. So having the end goal in mind. So does that, all, does that also mean like having an exit strategy if things don't, you know, go according to plan? Does, is that what that also entails as well? 
Well, it depends on the venture. For, for me personally, like this music thing is like it's a forever thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's some there's some there's some artists out here that are just trying to you know the, they see the glimmer the, the glitz and the gl- glamour and they they just kind of mm-hmm. want to get in and cash a check. But like for me, it's it's really therapy and like uh, the right. type of music that I do. I love to sing. Like I think I not even I think like I, I know I'm going to be doing this for a long time. And right. it's you know it's it's one of those it's just one of those things, right? So yeah, right. you just gotta know. You know what and. When you said that, you actually made me think of something. I often have this thought periodically as like, if I had the opportunity to be like a mega superstar athlete or a mega superstar musician, artist, which one would I be? Now, one thing I like about athletes is the bag they get up front is a lot bigger. But what I like about musicians personally is their longevity. You know, you could be singing into your 70s, going on tour well into your 70s, no problem. And I think the impact of musicians, artists is long lasting or more long lasting than an athlete. Because even if like today you talk about Michael Jordan, yeah, the young kids today, they know who he is, but like they don't have the same impact as someone like me who was born in the 80s about how like they don't have the same affinity for Michael Jordan. They their affinity resonates to the sneakers and, and they know that he's, you know, the goat, but they just don't have that same energy for it. Whereas when I think about music, right. I think about us, uh, you mentioned Teddy Pendergrass, right? Like you're talking to someone that's before our time. Right. Or I think of like Bob Marley where, you know, like he, he, I think he died before I was even born if I'm not mistaken. So you know, and his music is is in my iPhone, right? And I bump him like I was alive, or like when he was alive, I was like I was bumping him. So um, that's what I think. I would if someone. So my answer to that long winded explanation or rant rather is I would choose an artist because <laughs> you guys have the ultimate longevity, uh, it seems. But that, that's really good. So basically, what you're saying here, Dell, is that for you having kind of the end goal in mind, knowing what your options are if things go off course, off plan. Is that correct? Like, you know, life is, life is uncertain. You know, curveballs happen all the time. And the thing right. is, if you, if, you, if you don't plan and things happen, you really don't know what to do versus if you have an idea and things don't go, at least you have some sort of, you have like some contingency plans, right? So, right. Yeah. so be, being an artist, I also always compare you guys as, as being like an alchemist. I don't know if you've ever read the book. But like, because oh, yeah. you, you, you create things out of nothing. That's essentially what you guys do. Right. So do you ever like just wing it? Like, is there something you just like spur of the moment or is everything always like not noted down, jotted down, planned to detail like months in advance? Or is there any, anything that's like spur of the moment for you? In terms of like um, creating music or yes. I guess, um. No, because like when it comes, and that's that's the funny thing. Like creating music, it's like you can't really force it. It's one of those mm-hmm. things. Like it, it it comes, and it's it's really about the vibe in the room. You know, sometimes if I'm by myself, like I'll you know I'll hum a hum. Usually, whenever I'm doing something that's not music related, yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll tend to try to procrastinate on that thing doing music. So then yeah. that's when a lot of the good ideas come. But like I guess when it comes to taking. I guess after when that pro- the music product is done and then what are we going to do afterwards? I would say that's where more of the planning for me at least comes into play where it's just like, okay, how are we going to, you know, what, what, uh, who's the song talking to? How can we, how can, how can we make visuals and other big digital assets to, to, right. to, to, uh, to make it reach other people? So, um, yeah. So I, I guess to answer your question, it's like, 
guess when it comes to the creative process, a lot of it is spur of the moment. Um, sometimes I, um, sometimes you can, you can, uh, you know, you can lock yourself in a room and like every single day, kind of like a nine to five people in Nashville do that all the time. They treat it like a nine to five, they go in and write songs and five o'clock hits, they go home and do the dinner thing. But like, um, you know, it it all, it all depends on what floats your boat, man. Cause you know, like music as an art form or just art in general, it's, there there aren't really any rules. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. No, that's, that's a key point. And so like, Speaking of challenges and, and how to overcome challenges, I know writer's block is a challenge that many songwriters, artists in general have. So question for you is, have you ever dealt with that? And if you have, how have you, you know, overcome, you know, the writer's block? Oh, yeah, all the time, man. Like stepping, stepping away, man. Like when, when I was younger, I, was, I always thought, you know, just you have to be locked into the studio all times, you know, like 20, 20, 25, 25, eight in the studio, not leaving. But like, it's good to step away and just, you know, take things in from life. Because essentially, like, at least for me, it's, it's, that's where a lot of the inspiration comes from, regardless if it's my story, somebody else's story that they're telling me, or we're just trying to connect, right? So you can't always be locked in, you gotta give yourself some time for those things to, you know, come to you. Right, right. And, and, And from your music, talking about stepping away from like the booth and the studio, what do you think you draw, uh, you gain a lot of your inspiration from? I assume it comes from all areas of life, but if you had to kind of pinpoint like one or two areas in life in general, what do you think those one or two, what do you think one of those two uh, areas would be? Conversations, man. Conversations with everyday people, people that I work with on my team, people that don't right. do music, people that do music. Cause um, uh, Brian Michael Cox told me this. He's like the best, the best, uh, the best songs are conversations. The mm. best songs in the world. If you break it down, you look at it lyrically, it's literally conversations between you, the artist and the listener. So right. yeah, if you, and you know, Drake's really good at doing this as long as if a record feels like, you know, you're eavesdropping in on a conversation, you yeah. know, that's where you, you really, you know, you've really done the work and you've got, you hit that, you've hit that point. That's a great perspective. I've never actually looked at it like that. And I just heard uh, the Drake and Jack, Jack Harlow track yesterday. And I was thinking about it. it. It felt the way you just described that when I heard that song for the first time, it felt like I was eavesdropping on a conversation. So I've never heard that perspective. That's great. Um, all right. Question number three. Um, from your experience, what are some of the misconceptions new or young artists have? And what are the, some of the common mistakes artists make coming into the business? In other words, Dell, what are things people don't see or they don't even straight up think about? Um, at least in, it's well, learning the business, really. <laughs> learning that side of the business, honestly. Right. Cause like, um, you know, as creatives, we're, you know, we're left, we're, we're left brain. So we, we just want to create and we don't really have right. a lot of structure, but you need to have, you need to have that foundation or else, you know, how else you, how are you going to, well, how are you going to operate your business? Right. <laughs> it, right. Could be, it could be a, you know, like, um, a lot of people say it's like, a, well, a lot of people say, how, how do you differentiate your, um, I guess your passion from a hobby to an actual business and well, mm-hmm. you got to learn the business. And, um, a lot of artists, I would say like nowadays they, they don't, and there's a huge misconception you know, like today in society where it's like, you see, you see a lot of artists, you know, you see the glitz and glamour. You only see like the, you know, part of the reason why you're doing this podcast, you don't really hear about the failures. You only see right. about the successes, a lot of the material right. possessions. And you think, you know, just getting a deal and getting a, you know, a yeah. million dollar deal, not even, not even realizing that's a loan, right. <laughs> a loan in your son. Right. So it's, good way of it's, it's it. 
right? It's, it's really just a loan. And, you know, you know, instead of getting what a $500,000 loan and a lot of the, a lot of the time those labels will go to, you know, their partners and spend the money with themselves, keep mm-hmm. the money circulating within, well, within their ecosystems. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you, they own all your masters versus, right. you know, why can't you just go to a bank, you know, pay what, pay whatever interest you have credit or, you know, right. get some, uh, get some funding and, you know, do it on your own. <laughs> No, that's a great perspective, man. I'm getting so much perspective here. First thing, um, have a song, a beautiful song is like having a conversation and a record deal is like a loan. See, I, I, I've heard that, but the way you just said it just made it crystal clear. That's exactly what it is. So when someone says, yeah, I just got a deal, I got a deal for you guys in the business, you'd be like, oh, you just got a nice loan. So that's how now you're, you're looking fine. at that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like depending yeah. on what you're looking for, like a lot of labels, they have, they already have a lot of the connections that, you know, an independent right. artist has to go and make. So depending if you want to, for a project to, to, you know, maybe sign away your masters for that, just to elevate, you know, mm-hmm. that's totally up to you, but um, right. you know, just it all, I, I, with the team that I have, I like to, you know, break yeah. bread with them and, and, you know, at least have a hundred percent of the pie to split with them instead of splitting 20, you know, splitting 25% of, uh, <laughs> right, you right. know, you know what I'm trying to say? So I, I got to ask you a question. Here. I don't know if you saw recently your boy Drake just re-upped his deal with Universal Music Group and all the other labels he signed to $400 million, I think it was. So obviously he doesn't own his master's. I think he's bought them back. And the thing is, he, it's, so it's, he's bought them back. I, I, yeah. It's like he, he got out of the universal deal and like, and yeah. even if he hasn't, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's got the resources too. So like, I would right. say Drake isn't Drake, especially at this point, isn't the, the, the best example of, uh, you know, he's already has all the leverage. He's already that guy. He's already right. the boy. He's already, you know, everybody knows who he is. He's a worldwide superstar. So, you know, in that sense, it makes sense to use other people's money to, make more money that's interesting because there's a group of my friends we have a chat group and we look at drake and kanye as completely two different artists they're both icons in their own right in the music and business specifically in culture period but we look at my friends they look at kanye as being a true boss as in he owns his own label as drake does too he signed artists as Drake does too, but they see Kanye as, you know, he owns most of his masters. I think he is. I don't think he owns all of them. And they just look at Drake as collecting a big check and being under, you know, universal, which is on. Un- and then under them, there's, you know, cash money and then YCMB. And then there's like those other guys. So they look at him like, why does he step out and do his own thing? He's got enough cash. He's got enough cash. But I think your perspective, you're saying when you're at, Drake's when you're at Drake's level, there is no harm in taking that that large amount of of money at this particular point. Because I, I again in our culture today, and like I said, in the last 10, 10 years with like you know personal uh, growth and motivation. Also, in the last ten years, what's been growing a lot is that you know be a boss, be independent. That whole rant, positive, love the movement. But sometimes I think like we miss some gems in that. Right. And we we oversimplify it because, you know, we take like a what was his name? Um, dude from Chicago that was like truly independent guy has a chance to rapper. Oh, chance rapper yeah. Right. And they're like, why doesn't Drake go go his route? Right. You know what I'm saying? But you're like, yo, it's a case by case situation for where he's at. Why not take the money? Right. You know, you're going to be good on it. So it's not like a bad situation. 
it also depends where you where you start too, right? So like it's if, if you I think Chance is already kind of you know already in that independent lane. So it's versus Drake had to go to you know Drake's a Canadian artist. He had to go to the to um, well to the states in order to break you know right. the the Young Money affiliation. Right. Um, the um, uh, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, uh, Dave Prince. Prince, yeah, right. Dave Prince yeah. affiliation. So, like, you, it's so like it all depends. It really all depends where you start, and I guess what happened during those during those ventures. Because just right. like doing a real estate deal, right? You can you can go to your different partners, and you know you finish your development, and then the next deal, you know, they they never really use any of their own money; they borrow. <laughs> right, right, right. No OPM, other people's money. I, I get it. I dig it. So, on the notion of you know going to the states, you just made me think of something. You're 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 black, obviously. Or oh, for the people that are listening, he's black like me. Um, you're in Canada. Um, black folks in Canada only make up just over a million in this country, a million people in this country. And obviously, our music is not just for people in our community; it's for everybody. It's universal. It's global. But do you think that artists in your lane, in your craft? need to go stateside to, to, to really make this happen? Or could they do this right here in this country? With the internet, you can do it right here in this country, but it doesn't, if you, if you want, again, it all depends on what you want. Right. It all depends on what you want. If you just want to, uh, you know, be, be here in Canada. Like at, the, at the end of the day, like the, the sample sizes are much larger in the States versus here. Right. So those are things you got to take into consideration. But like, if you're trying to, if you're trying to be a, you know, a, like a, a global superstar, like you're going to have to, you have to tap into those markets. So, right. um, yeah, and to answer your question, if you want to be a worldwide superstar or if you want to be worldwide, you have to tap into those markets. And it's not even just the states; it's Europe, it's yeah. you know across in Asia, it's everywhere. So it all yeah. depends on what your goal is and what you're like. You said looking at it long term, what the what the end goal is career wise, and then you kind of have to figure out your your, your steps from there. Right, right. Because I I don't know. I just have a bias. I was, I automatically think like if you're if you're an artist, especially a music artist in R and B, hip hop, anything urban. That would be considered urban. I almost um, automatically think you have to go stateside if you want to have any type of real long-lasting, meaningful success. But you would know oh, best. Yeah, yeah, mainstream, mainstream success. Because as much as you know, I had a, a back and forth venture with a good friend of mine, Dalton Higgins, who's you know well versed in the music industry here and has some. Oh, right. I know. <laughs> you, you know, you know, and he was like, you know, uh, he's like, you know, hip hop is the number one. I think he said it was a number one in Canada. This was like a year or two ago. And he was like, he was like, I was disappointed to see that we have very low representation in at the radio stations. And I challenged him. I'm like, oh, actually hip hop is, you, you think hip hop is number one, but it's actually number three. Not that it makes an entirely bigger difference because country and pop or country and rock, I think are above hip hop in this country. And people they make that mistake because Canada and the U S are so similar in a lot of ways. And we think just because hip hop is number one in the U S it's automatically number one here, but it's actually not the case. And yes, more representation, but Canada is such a different market when it comes to like some of the cultural stuff. And that's why I think artists almost absolutely need to go stateside or maybe it's the UK or whatever to really take it to the next level. But that's, that's just me with my outside perspective. I was going to say, I do, I do agree with that. Cause even like, even with my response, that's not to say that I haven't been, you know, planting my seeds in the States and building my network in the States. And like, um, you know, just it, 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 cause we have 
you have to. Like I, I do want to do the global thing, but the thing is, I want to, I do want to travel, I do want to take the road less traveled and you know own a lot of my things and you know put my people on. Right. But like you know, I have to do that on my own thing. And I have to do that at my own pace, and I really don't want to sign sign my power away you know because at right. the end of the day it's just like you going back to deals you, you sign a deal it's pretty much you, know, you can do one thing right. well, actually let me let me backtrack a bit because even right now in, in in today's like tiktok generation where everybody has a <laughs> short attention span right everybody's yeah. just especially labels labels are just looking at what's going viral what's really hot yeah. for the moment so yeah. it's just like you could be doing something that's hot that's genuine to you but then right. as soon as you try to do something else you know it's just like we want more of that and then right. you're kind of stuck in a position and then you're not happy and then you know, it's just downhill from there. So, right. um, you know, like, at least for me, it's just like independence is, it's, it's really, really important. And with that, you kind of have, you have to go out and build your network. You, it, you know, it is a lot more work, but like, mm-hmm. if, if you're serious about it, you know, you'll do it. And like another thing that Brian Michael Cox said, like, if you're not willing to put 10 years in minimum, don't do yeah. it. <laughs> I'm, and I'm glad you point that out, man. I, I wrote an article, I wrote like a seven part series article on, on failure. And one of my friends, uh, he quoted, I think it was Bill Gates that said, most people overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and underestimate what they can accomplish in three to five years. And basically, he was saying, like, I don't take on any new opportunities, new projects, unless I know I'm committed to it for the next three to five years. And I think, you know, you know, every platform, every tool, every technology has, you know, its pros and cons. And I think one of the cons to social media is we're only seeing the wins. We're only seeing the successes. We don't see the process. And part of the reason why I started this podcast is to get into the process so you can learn like someone like you that's had some great success in, in, in music, some of the little things that really are not talked about enough or at scale. So I'm glad that you pointed out, like if you're not, so the people out there that's listening, that's trying to grind this music thing out, if you're not putting in at least 10 years like you don't even have the right mindset together, mindset all to, uh, to to begin with. And it's funny enough that you said that because I was listening to that um, Jack Harlow interview on The Breakfast Club. And he said the same thing. He's like, oh, I, he started in high school. And he's like, I put in like, he, t- he said he took him nine years to do it full time or something like that. I could be misquoting that. But he, anyways, he was just speaking to the journey, to the process. So, yeah, man, thank you for pointing that out. It's, it's, it's fact that it's a lot a lot of people don't realize too like you know your your average millionaire they they got seven sources of income <laughs> seven <laughs> but they make it so see that the, the, the challenge with that is that one they make it look easy because they've been doing it so long it's like second nature to them and then exactly. we get fooled by that and two to your point they have multiple other businesses you know what i mean but again we only see the end result um, one other question on that. So, so speaking of like deals, right? I know 360 deals has been a thing for like the last decade and some. Would you sign a 360 deal? You wouldn't. No. Mm, I like that. You're betting on yourself. I love it. Yeah, because like, I guess for the listeners that aren't, you know, that yes. aren't privy to what a 360 deal is, you know, they get everything right everything and then they own your master so you get paid in advance you have to go make the record you know put your blood sweat and tears put your passion to it you get put into a studio you got to make some you know make some music make some stuff that you love you know maybe it's six songs they come back and be like you know out of the six maybe you know this one is popping the other five aren't go ahead and go ahead and change it and like you you're shelved until you make those changes and you get the okay 
Right. And then on top of that, you don't even own it. They mm. can make money off of that. They make money off your touring. They make money off any merch you sell. Right. If you have any ideas with, between you and your team to do some grassroots stuff and go behind the, you know, go behind the label and, you know, maybe do like a campaign and sell some mugs or like some t-shirts or some hats. They get that they, too. All, they get a cut of everything. So it's just like, why not, especially right now with the internet, especially right now, like it's, it's like a perfect time for creatives right now to be alive and anybody mm. to go into business because you have so much reach Right. So it's right. just like, why can't you just do the, do the homework, figure out exactly who your target market is, figure right. out who exactly who you need to talk to and, you know, market to them. Cause like right. when you really break down the, when you really break down the numbers and this is like a Ryan Leslie thing, right. you know, if you get a, if you get a thousand true fans, you know, regardless if it's here in your local town or um, anywhere online, oh, word, you know, you man. get them all. Yeah. You get them to spend a hundred dollars each, $25 quarterly. Mm-hmm. That's a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> That's a great point. Right. So right. it's, you know, it's if, if you have a good product, you're you are, you know, you're consistent, you're serious about it, it's yeah. not hard. Right. You know what I think it is though, Del Man, now that you broke that down, and, and thank you for doing that. People are lazy. I mean, here's the thing. I that's not a, a completely true statement. They're 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 okay with doing the things that they know they should do, but when given the opportunity where they can say, yo, I can own this or have a, a, a bigger percentage of the pie, but it's gonna require some additional work legwork on my part more effort on my part they don't want to do that because you know being behind the machine is a lot easier let's just face it like when you have sony or universal uh warner music whoever pushing you it's a lot easier you know what i mean so i i get the I get the the gravitation to just not want to go, you know, independent or own more of your your uh, your business because if you can just have the machine push you, you can just go on tour, you can make some good money. And I think at the end of the day, that's what I'm gonna assume. That's what most of them just want at that point. They're not really thinking about necessarily being the next Jay Z in terms of you know amassing a billion dollars or a half a billion dollars. But that's a good. That's a really good point you don't need can i can i, can I add to yeah. that actually yeah, too? i was going to say too it's just like it's it's when you want to if you take a step back and look at the macro of it it's like when it comes to financial literacy like a lot of you know especially like a lot of black youths or like a lot of black individuals themselves it's it's not it's not taught so then you have you know you have a lot of young uh, you have a lot you have a lot of young you know, you have a lot of young black kids that are just looking yeah. and, and they're just they want to make make it out of the situation they want to change the situation and you know, two hundred thousand dollars looks like a lot of money, but in retrospect, it's not a lot of money. Right, right. And then they sign everything away, and then they get trapped, and then it's just like the deal. You know, like the the, the um, then they kind of blame the label. But at the end of the day, it's a business thing, right? They're right. you know they invested in you. You, you need to read the fine print. And yeah. a lot of them is just like I got to buy my mom a house, or I got to do yeah. all this other stuff. And like that's not to say that that's valid, but there are other yeah. ways that you can do that without you know without you know uh, you know screwing yourself in the long run. So. Yeah. And you know what? You saying that just made me think of something. It is the difference between not having a goal to stick out for, to defer short-term gratification for long-term lasting success, right? To like say, hey, I'd rather make, you know, I'll, I'll only make six figures now, delay the millions, but I know in five, 10 years, all those millions will truly be mine, that type of mindset, right? Mm-hmm. And I get it because when you're around that environment and everyone else is being flashy and, you know, these these people are buying whatever 
designer clothes and you're just like, man, I'm doing this independent grind. I got to put this money back into my studio, back into my album artwork. And so, you know, you're buying Tommy Hilfiger or whatever it is, right? I get how that could kind of mess with some people, right? But damn, um, it's the little things that get you, the accumulation of that, right? And and that you detailing that perspective remind me uh, when I heard years ago. So uh, the rap group that was signed to uh, Rockefeller, the guys from Philly, State Property, there was a group. There's a group in them. I think it was Oskino and Sparks. One of them. They wrote the hook to Jay Z's "Give It to Me." One of those guys. And similar to what you just described, um, I remember them sharing the story many years ago. They offered him fifty thousand dollars, like cash, or a hundred thousand dollars cash up front. And to your point, you know, he was from North Philly. He's from the hood. Uh, I want to say like. And maybe not the most amount of money you've ever seen, but maybe it was the quickest he's ever seen it, right? $100,000, boom, to write the hook, but they didn't give him the writer's credit for that song. And he said that he, he, missed out on a, <laughs> he said he missed out like on a million plus dollars by not having that writer's credit, right? And so it's that, that short-term versus long-term thinking. Yeah, okay, bag of cash. It's a test of your integrity right there, right? Um but again, you don't know what you don't know. And I don't know if you if you knew that. And to your point, financial literacy, not understanding the business, all things that you've mentioned throughout this this podcast. So if anyone out here is 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 really taking this in, man, get to know the business part. Get get up on your financial literacy game. It's it's very key because those small decisions could be costly uh, down the road. So last question here, Dell. Um, throughout your amazing journey as a music artist. What has been the best lesson you believe you have learned from failing thus far? Um, it's a lesson that I've actually I learned recently that I wish I, mm. I knew at the beginning, but like failing fast, mm. <laughs> getting out and failing fast. Um, at the end of the day, no matter what the venture is, if it's music, if it's any kind of entrepreneur endeavor, you got to fail fast. You can't you can't be afraid of looking stupid. People are going to forget. And at the end of the day, like, you know, if you, if you do that consecutively, what are they going to say? You know, he's a failure that's, that, that, you know, that sold millions of records that has Grammys and, you know, that has a million dollar net worth. Nobody's yeah. going to, nobody's going to think about that. So oh. you have to go out and fail fast and not really care about what the people say. And you have to be, you know, confident in yourself and, um, you know, knowing exactly what you want. And it, it's, it's one thing to, you know, it's one thing to, you know, to, to, to take, take outside advice and just take people's two cents. But like, you know, it's not, at the end of the day, the, the decision should really rely on you, with you. You got to right. make the decisions. You can't let you can't let other people, you know. Um, I guess change that, change your opinion of that. Right. And so, to to be really clear, give me a quick example of what failing fast would mean to like a, a musician and an artist like yourself. Like, what does that mean in your lane? It's like really finishing a record. You know, doing a music video. If you think it's whatever, you know, put it out. It's content. Mm-hmm. People are going to hear it. You know, there's some people that have you know, that have like never heard new music or doesn't, that don't really listen to music or don't really understand production value. They're going to think it's the best thing ever. And you still got fan versus somebody who's already established and done things or they even shoot their own music videos. They might think it's not the best quality, but you know what? At least you have a video and you, you definitely learn things from that experience that you will take on to the next project. And right. you know, you keep doing that. Those, you know, those gains are compound. <laughs> right. Right. No, that, 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 thank you for clarifying that. That makes perfect sense. Fail fast is something I would have, I would tell myself many times, uh, and 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 the follow up to that to the to the young 
woman or man that says, I want to do what you're doing. If you could only give that person, that individual, one piece of advice, what would it be? One piece work. <laughs> you got to work, especially if you want an independent. Because even when we're talking about the um, getting a deal, like a lot of those, a lot of the individuals who have deals, they're still hustling like they're independent. Right. And the right. ones that you know, the ones that have deals that don't, you know, they fall to the wayside. A lot of the, mm-hmm. a lot of those, you know, when it comes to deals or even investors, they want to see you. You know, they want to see you doing a lot of the work. They want to see that you're invested. You have skin in the game. And if you don't, you know, they're not really going to, if they invest in the first time, they won't be back the second time. So, um, yeah, you just got to work. You just got to work. And if I can give a second piece of advice, you know, just yeah, delay, your short, delay your short-term gratification for long-term. Ooh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> you, you preaching right now, man. I love it. I love it. Delay. Delay the short-term gratification. And I think that's just good financial advice for anyone that's, you know, coming into money or has an opportunity to to, to make money. Delay that short term gratification. A good rule, like for like just regular folks, not even people in music. A friend of mine taught me is like whenever you get paid, maybe it's a bonus or a huge whatever lump sum. When that hits your account. Don't touch it until at least the next week. It's a small incremental habit you can introduce into your life that can that you can build upon just like you know don't buy nothing out of your normal like you know living things and then you can start acquiring some things but yes delay that that gratification now uh real quick some rapid fire questions this is where i asked you three questions real quick you gotta answer it in five seconds or less so first question is who is your favorite artist today and who would you want to work with my favorite artist today um, I would uh, lucky day. I would like to like do do a collab, even though we're kind of like the same lane, same artist. Like I, I would love to you know just get in the studio and you know just learn, learn nice. right. That's really what it is, and just yeah, five seconds or less. <laughs> uh, love it, love it. Uh, what do you think streaming services like Spotify and others need to do better to help artists like yourself? Um, they need to pay more, man. They, <laughs> they need to pay more. And like, that's not to say that there are, you know, that's the only avenue to, you know, to make money in this industry, but you know, the, the how much is it, how much is a, a Spotify subscription cost? Like $12 a month? Uh, $9.99. Uh, but different in, in other areas, but about 10 bucks a month. Yeah. yeah on, on average $10 a month. So you, you multi, you do the math, man. They make, they can afford it. <laughs> You know, they can afford it instead of instead of pennies. It's it's like what two decimal points, two decimal points of a of a of a penny you get per play. I don't I, know. I, they can, I feel like they can do better. <laughs> you know what? As an insider, as someone who does work for an organization, I will say you know we're de- they definitely can do better, and they are working on some things. Some of those things I can't really discuss right now, but there are other opportunities that they're working on because they do recognize that. And I think the challenge that Spotify has is they work with the big guys. And I think the cut the big guys get is for every dollar Spotify makes when it comes to music, not, not podcasts. I think the labels get like 70 or 75% on the dollar. So wow. um, yeah, that that's, that's the cut. So it's, it's like a similar to the, a Netflix situation, right? It's very similar, but, but different in a lot of ways as well. So something to keep in mind, but I hear your point. They're working on it. That's what I would say. <laughs> um, and then the last question, 
uh, for rapid fire questions here. If you could change one thing about the music business, what would it be? I guess just the getting the proper information out and just the perception of how I guess deals work and I guess what is really success because you know success if you look at it in a um, generic term a lot of people equate that to financial you know just material things and it's it's more than that you know because a lot of people they can they can get all the material things and they'll still be very very unhappy I know some people that have got money and they're not happy <laughs> right right no I, I I hear you man there's there's ample stories of people achieving or amassing millions of dollars and then either feel lonely or isolated or prisoners in their own home or prisoners of their of their fame so i definitely hear you on that um del man this was a beautiful conversation i learned a lot some of the things that i took taken away is like you know you know you're making great music when you're you're having a conversation where it feels like the listener could be you know uh eavesdropping in on that conversation I love the fact that you said that, you know, when someone gets a deal, that's essentially like getting a loan from a bank, right? That's a, I think that's great perspective. And then having the long-term mindset when you get into opportunities to delay the gratification, I think that's a huge thing. But those are three things right off the top that I took away from this conversation. Um, Del, uh, for the people that are not following you currently, where can they find you? If they're another artist, how can they work with you? All that jazz and all that good stuff. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Del Hartley official, um, Del, Hart- Del underscore Hartley on Twitter or just delhartley.com. Um, there's uh, all those at the, at the bottom of my website, there's social links all across. Um, for anybody that's looking to reach out, I'm a very down to earth dude. Just, you know, just drop a message, man. Um, drop a message if it makes sense. And if I got the time, you know, we can make something work. Um, as of late, like I've been trying to automate a lot of my processes. So like I've been saying no to a lot of things, but, right. um, that is, um, you know, I don't think people take that personally in, in any sense, but like, yeah. um, just reach out, reach out. If it makes sense, the opportunity comes, we'll get it. We'll get it done. That's what's up. And that guys, that's Dell, like Dell computer, but with one L. Yeah. Dell one L hardly H A R T L E Y. There you go. That's what's up. Well, guys, uh, that concludes this episode of Three Questions by Corey Kareem. Um, and as you guys know, I always like to end with, you know, if you want to just impress people, you know, talk about the things that you've gained and, you know, the money that you've made, yada, yada, yada. If you just want to impress people, that's cool. But if you really want to have an impact on somebody's life, talk about your failures, more specifically what you learn from those experiences. That's how you really move the needle in someone else's life. So that being said, guys, Dell and I are out. Peace and love until the next time. Look what, look what, look what, look what, look what.